This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. The title of the message today is Identity Matters. What is your identity in Christ? Last week, Pastor Jim did a great job about being the Great Commission Church, about being a great commissioned people, about being a sent out people, a sent out church. And one of the places I think that starts is to remember who we are, or to be taught who we are, to either learn who we are, or, we're, or to be reminded of who we are in Christ. So the Great Commission, if you will, or the Great Revival, if you will, starts right here starts right here. Revival starts in your heart. It doesn't start out there. It starts right here. It starts right here. Inside the walls of his church. That's where revival starts. That's where the Great Commission starts. So I'm simply here to remind those of us that believe what we have and then encourage those that may not yet believe, here's the gift that is offered to you. So that's why I'm here. So how do, we, how do we live there? How do we go from there? How do we, uh, who does God say we are? And how do we then go live that out, if you will? Go out and live that out. So there's many passages that speak of our identity. There's many passages that I could share this morning about our identity and who Christ says we are. You probably have your favorites, but here's where I've been camping lately, and it's in Romans. Love the book of Romans. One of the many books in my life that has just been huge for me from day one. So I'm going to read from Romans out of the ESV, Romans 8. And I actually have in my notes 15, 17, but I'm going to start in verse 12. So Romans 8, 12. The title is Heirs with Christ. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. For by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness within our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I know in my humanness I have no idea what that all means. Right? I mean, think about that. That is a huge promise. A huge promise. I am a child. I mean, we sing about it today. I'm a child of the one true king. Right? I am an heir with Christ. I am one of God's kids. I am convinced that when you look across the landscape of the Christian church, even the American Christian church, and you hear the bad stories, the, the horrible stories, the tragic stories about failure, about uh, so-and-so did this or did that or didn't do this, and that's just the ones we hear about, not even count, counting the ones we don't hear about because they're not as famous, whatever that means, I am convinced that part of of the problem, part of what happens is they forget this. They forget their identity. And I don't think they purposely do. I don't think they purposely wake up one morning and go, I'm going to go ruin my life today. 
or I'm going to go whatever, fill in the blank, right? I don't think they obviously purposely to set out that, set out to do that. But when we forget, when I forget, when we forget who God says we are, when we forget what our true identity is and start putting our eyes on other stuff, then we drift, then we start to wander, then we start to waver, and the next thing you know, right? So for me, this is simply a reminder of who God says I am. For us, a reminder of who God says we are, what we have, and who we are. And again, I don't think we purposely set out to forget, right? But we're humans, right? I mean, we leak, right? We have some, I mean, you know, some, you know the, we get this vision in us, and sometimes it just kind of leaks out, okay? We don't do it on purpose. I, I believe that. Okay, so uh, moving on. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, another place God has me camping. Hebrews 12. Verse 1, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Then I'm going to go all the way down to verses 28 and 29. Let us, the church, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And, that, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let us, the church, this letter is written to us, the church, right? Let us lay aside every weight. Let us quit being distracted. Let us offer to God worship, acceptable worship, or worship with reverence and with awe. When was the last time you ever sat it just in awe of God, of who he is, but also who he says we are? I am a child of the one true king. I have in my possession a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of my faith. What a gift. What a gift. In this season of gift giving, we have the greatest gift. We have the greatest gift ever. What are we doing with it? So I have a question for you. Kind of a hard question. But I must be a slow study because almost every time I get to share, this question comes up. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Notice I didn't say, do you love him? I believe all of us in here, as much as we can humanly wrap our brain around that concept, I believe we trust him. I mean, love him. We love our Lord. We love Jesus. We love our Savior. But I believe a deeper question, if you will, is do you trust him? Do you trust him? Yes, we 
Thank God for his provisions. Thank God for his protection. Thank God for all of these great gifts that he gives us, all right? The gift giver gives us all these, all these gifts. Provision, protection, blessings, his grace, his mercy, his love. He's the author. He's the perfecter of my faith. All of these things. Praise God, praise God, praise God. But what if I say something about his discipline? Then what? Do you look at his discipline and, dare I say, even his conviction as one of his great gifts? Because it is. Because it is. So if I say that, do you still trust him? Hebrews 12, verses 3 and 7. Consider him who who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood. And you have, and have you, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, my daughter, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. Now, I know we've all read that passage, right? And I know we're like, okay, yeah, God disciplines those he loves. But what about when it's your turn? Do you still love him? Do you still trust him? Do you still look at that as one of his good good gifts? Now, I know it can be hard. I know this can be hard for people, and here's one of the reasons why. Because when I, st- when I talk about discipline, most of us think of our parents, right? And that discipline. And that might not have been good for you, right? That might be a hard thing to talk about. So if that's your vision, if you will, or your visual of discipline, and then I start talking about our Father God disciplining us and or even convicting us, that might be kind of hard to wrap your brain around. I get it. My dad was not an abusive dad. Um, Generational, personality-wise, job-wise, he was very uh, disconnected, if you will. And so when I first started wrapping my heart around, I have a father God who wants a relationship with me, and oh, by the way, he wants to be connected to me and wants to be in my life. And part of that is he wants to then correct me and discipline me and convict me and guide me and steer me. It took me a while, even as an adult, to unpack all that. So I get it. Discipline might, might be a hard word for you to hear because of how you grew up. But let, Father, let our Father God father your heart. But you can't, you can't have one without the other. Here's what I mean. You can't have love without the rest, Right? John 1, very, very much a passage we read a lot this time of year, um, very much a passage that you're all familiar with, but maybe you've looked, never looked at it in this context. John 1, 14, and the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Now, we all get the whole grace part, right? God is grace. God is love. Amen. Praise God for that. But, but God is also truth. And I don't know that you can have one without the other. We all like to camp in the grace side. And I get it. We're people, right? Tell me about God's grace. Tell me about God's mercy. Tell me about God's forgiveness. Amen, amen. Praise God for those gifts. But you start talking about God's truth and God's discipline. Eh. You know, I get it. I've been there. I'm, so I'm preaching to myself. There's a great song. We all know it. Most of us all know it. Amazing grace, right? The first verse. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I'm see. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. The second verse, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. And if you've been, in here, if you've been a Christian a long time, I think sometimes you might, we might forget about that part. That moment that grace first appeared and how precious that gift is. It is the best gift. So again, look at God's gifts, God's grace, God's conviction, God's discipline as one of his gifts. Psalm 23. Again, we probably all know it, right? Maybe you, maybe you can recite it, right? Maybe you have it memorized. Maybe you've never looked at it quite in this context. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, le- he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God, your rod and your staff, they come from me. Now, I don't know how you read that, okay? So I grew up on a dairy farm, right? Right? So I, didn't, I was around cows, right? So I wasn't around sheep, but I was much in that culture, okay? So when it says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. One is for protection, and the other is for discipline. The staff is for like, no, you don't really want to go over there. There's a cliff over there. No, you, you want to, no, you don't want to, let's come back, come back. You know, that's the staff. That's the guiding part, right? The rod is like, I told you, you know, that's the staff. Sheep aren't the brightest animals in the world. I don't know if you knew that, right? Sometimes they need a good whack upside the head with a two by four. Sometimes we do, right? Well, I mean, if we're being honest with each other, which I kind of think we should be, sometimes we need a little bit of pressure upside the side of the head, right? That is the staff. That is the rod. I mean, that is also for my protection and my comfort. God's discipline and conviction in my life is for my own good. It's for my comfort and my protection. Now, please hear me. Please hear me. I think I've kind of made my point. But please hear this. I'm not talking about condemnation. Okay? I'm not talking about condemnation. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come to give you life. 
Romans 8.1 says, There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. It's different. It's different. Once I was having a coffee with a friend, and he was living under this cloud of condemnation for whatever reason, many reasons, right? And I shared this verse with him, Romans 8.1, There is no condemnation if you're in Christ. And he was free and angry. He was angry because he felt like he'd been lied to or living out of this cloud of condemnation his whole life. But yet free in the fact, if I'm truly in Christ, there is no condemnation. Yes, again, I'm not saying there's not conviction or discipline or correction, but there is no condemnation. Because he really, he told me, he goes, I felt that I was such a loser, and then if I, maybe God caught me on a good day, Maybe if he caught me on a good day, he'd kind of let me in the side door of heaven. That's how he was living his life, because that's what he was believing. Oh, but again, I, that's where I was. I, I you know, grew up in a very legalistic, if I do just enough, maybe, maybe if I check all the right boxes and if I do all the right things, just maybe God might let me in the side door. That is no way to live. That is not a victorious life. So I am not talking of condemnation. I first heard my wife say this. I don't know where she got it, but I love it. If you are hearing anything, if you are, the, voices that are speak, the voice that is speaking to you, if you are hearing anything but my beloved, you're hearing the wrong voice. If you're hearing anything other than my beloved, you are hearing the wrong voice. So maybe you're just saying, okay, I don't know about all this, this uh, conviction stuff, all this discipline stuff, all this, you know, I don't know about all that. I just want to produce more fruit. Good. You should well have that desire. Are you willing to be pruned? John 15 says, those of you that are producing fruit, I prune you. Why? So you will then go produce more fruit. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm assuming pruneful is painful. Being pruned is painful, right? I'm assuming there's a little pain in the pruning, right? But are you willing? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? So kind of where this, where this, this kind of was stirred in my heart, fire in my bones, if you will. A couple months ago, I was walking in the church like you, all you did, and you walked by all the banners like, like we all do. And there's a banner right out there. And the banner says, Hope, Healing, Courage, Life. And it just stopped me right in, my, right in my tracks. It just stopped me. I've been around church planting since 2006, right? I've been around a long time. I've never seen the word healing on a banner before. And it just stopped me. And I was like, whoa. So I've talked with Jason about, you know, what, what led you to put that on your banner and the whole thing, and, and I'll let him talk about that. I'm not going to steal his thunder there. But it just, it just stopped me because here's why. I believe that God wants us to be whole. I believe that God wants us to be healed. I believe, like we just saying today, who the sun sets free is? Free Amen. And my message truly is a message of hope, but not false hope. Okay? My message truly is, I hope you're encouraged. Challenged, yes, absolutely. But at the end of the day, encouraged by the hope in this message. 
but not the false hope, but the real hope, like God is here for my protection and my provision and my comfort, and part of that is his conviction in my life. So, okay, how do we, how do we live this out? How do, we, how do we get whole? How do we get healed? And how do we get set free? And then how do we go live this out, this part of this healing journey, if you will, for, to borrow that phrase, the healing journey? Well, there's many ways, but one way is to tell your story. Do real life with real people that are really, really committed to this thing and share your story with other people. Yes, here, but also yes, more than just here. Yes, a shameless plug for community group, alpha groups, whatever. Get in a circle of people with real people and share your story and be willing to hear their story. And I, you know what? It's messy. It can be messy. I probably am not the only one in here that some of my greatest wounds are from inside the church. So I, 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 live in, I work in the corporate world, right? So when someone out there calls me a name, someone out there deserts me, someone out there gossips about me, someone out there even, dare I say, betrays me, out there in the corporate world, out there in the lost, broken world, yeah, whatever, it's just people being people, right? But when that happens inside the church, it's hard. It's hard. I am not denying that. I get it. It can be messy. But there's an interesting proverb talks about that very thing. Proverbs 14.4 Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. What does that mean? You want to keep your manger clean? No oxen. You want to be part of the harvest? Going to have to have some oxen. You want to own a dairy farm? You're going to have to have cows. What comes with cows? Cow pies. So what comes with people? I'm not filling in the blank. I'm, she's waiting for me too because she, she, you know, she, she knows me. She's been married to me for a while. You know? How long have we been married? 31 years? 31 years. But it's just true, right? I mean, there's, the only way to keep your stable clean is to keep it clean by keeping everything out of it. But if you want to have people in your stable, you're going to have a mess. But be okay with it, because guess what? You're messy too. I was once talking with a guy about this, kind of this whole concept, and this was in Wyoming, and he's like, I just want to go up northern, north, northern Cheyenne here about 70 miles from nowhere and, and just build like a compound and, and just wait for Jesus. And I'm like, okay. Uh, well, first of all, that's just weird, right? And second of all, that's just not biblical. And he's like, yeah, I know. I, I know you are. I know, I know you're right. I know you're right. But I said, like, yeah, it's easier. Don't get me wrong. I understand. It's easier, okay? But the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering. And again, not just on Sunday morning, but do not forsake the gathering, so here's one of my prayers for you. Here's one of my prayers. Um, I'm going to read, again, another awesome passage of Scripture for us. Because I, I get, you know, it's a holiday season. Um, we're going to be around family. 
we probably all have that weird uncle, or we might be that weird uncle, right, or aunt, or whatever. You know, you, we're, you know, we're right. We're we're around family this time of year, and it can be messy, and it can be, you know, cows in the stable. It can be ugly. It can be hard, especially you know if it's a broken family, whatever that means, right? It can be hard to be around your family, but that's who we're called to be around, right? We're the light of the world. We're not called to go out and build a compound and wait for Jesus. So Isaiah 58. Another, another amazing passage of Scripture. Again, one of those challenges. Go read the whole passage in context and just let God show you what he has for you in there. Um, it's just been one of my go-to passages. But I'm just going to read uh, starting in verse 12. I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you're dry, restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. This says some of you, but I'm, I was, I was going to say all of us. All of us will rebuild the, the deserted ruins of our city. Then we will be known as the rebuilder of walls and the restorer of homes. Be known as one that helps rebuild the city. Be known as one that helps rebuild the home. Be known for one that helps restore the home. Whatever that looks like. One of the greatest gifts we can give our kids, those of us that have kids, or one of the greatest gifts we can give those around us, is to show them how to go through hard stuff. Can show, to show them how vital this is in, in our life. To show them, irregardless of what people say, do, and think, and whatever of us, we're going to gather. Irregardless of what I've been through, we're going to gather to show your kids how to go through hard stuff. To show your kids, if you will, or, or those around you, what it looks like to suffer well. What it looks like to suffer well. Not if you're going to go through hard stuff, but when. When? Because we're all going to. And if, if you haven't for a while, buckle up, because here it comes, right? But show those around you what it looks like to suffer well, out of your true identity. Romans twelve seventeen, B, if you will, the last of Romans twelve seventeen. We suffer with him, Christ. We suffer with Christ so that we all may be glorified with him. Again, we all want to talk about the glory part. I get it. We're humans. But this whole word suffering, we suffer with Christ so that we also may be glorified. With him. So what now? What do you do now? Surrender. Surrender. Out there in the business world, if you will, the corporate world, surrender is for failures. Surrender is for losers. Surrender is for the weak. Surrender is for those that didn't have what it takes to get the job done. I get it. Out there in the corporate world, if you will, we're paid to get her done, right? We're paid off of our performance. We're paid by showing up and performing and getting our job done. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Surrender out there, especially like in the military terms, surrender is failure. Surrender is for losers. Surrender is for the weak. Surrender is for those that didn't, couldn't quite measure up 
inside the building, inside here, inside the church, surrender is freedom. May I even say courageous surrender. It takes courage, if you will, to surrender. It takes courage to surrender. It's not a contradiction in terms. So have the courage, if you will, to surrender. Your rights, your hurts, and maybe even your wrong beliefs. Have the courage to surrender those. But certainly have the courage to surrender your pride. The Bible is very clear when it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's right. Thank you. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So maybe in your pride, if you will, you've been carrying around this wound. It's kind of become a part of you, kind of part of your false identity, if you will. Maybe it's like a boulder in your backpack, and you're like, oh, have you seen my wound, right? Or have you seen what people, or whatever. And it's kind of become part of you. You're just kind of used to it. Set it down. Or maybe you'd got just a little bit of a pebble in your shoe, and you got, so you got just a, this little bit of a limp, and somebody goes, you're kind of limping. And you're like, yeah, I've got this pebble in my shoe. Well, take it out. Well, it doesn't hurt that bad. I've kind of got used to it. No, man, just take it out. You know, we laugh, but we've all been there. If we're honest, let it go. Let it go. Surrender it. So, so um, just by some words of encouragement, if you will. Just some, words of, some more words of God's truth. Um, back, to, back to the Psalms, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And at the very end, it says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Talk about a good gift. But in the meantime, guess what? It gets even better. In the meantime, the, the, the sentence right before that, it says, surely your love will pursue me all of the days of my life. Wow. Wow. Hebrews 12. 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Be healed. Again, what is your identity? What are you known for? Maybe, maybe some of us just need to come back to our first love. Remember what it was like the hour that grace first appeared. Remember what it was like to pursue our first love, Jesus, as our Savior and as our Lord. Maybe that's, what, that's, maybe that's the only reason I'm standing here today is to remind you, come back to your first love. Also in Hebrews 12.25, it says this, be careful not to refuse the one who is speaking. Not talking about me. I know that I know that the Holy Spirit 
has laid something on somebody's heart in this place. He says, be careful not to refuse when he speaks to you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a song. And it talks about that. Doesn't matter where you're at, where you've been, what you're going through, what you're in, what you're, whatever. Surrender. Come as you are. Um, I'll be up here praying. My wife will join me. Matt will be over here, Jason, whoever. I'm not saying everybody in here has something they need to surrender. But I know somebody does. Have the courage to lay it down. And maybe you're in here and you're not, not even really sure about this whole Jesus thing, this whole Christian thing. You're like, what are you talking about? Welcome home. Have the courage to surrender, maybe for the first time in your life, to our Lord and King and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Have the courage to surrender that. The greatest gift giver wants to give you the greatest gift. And what a season to do it in. Thank you for listening today. To find out more information about our church, including ways you can give, please visit us at CourageousChurch.com.